G'day everyone, welcome to the Mojo Sports AFL show. I'm your host Callum Dunk. It is a pleasure for you to join us again on the show. Uh, What a way to start the season with a draw on Thursday night between Richmond and Carlton and some fascinating results over the weekend. Joining me as always on the show is Nathan and Jake and it's also great to have Ash joining us for the first time this year. Unfortunately, Ash couldn't make it last week, but he's back. He's joining us tonight and he's got some pretty interesting comments about this weekend's round of footy. So before we get stuck into round one, um, I'm just going to let Ash introduce himself so that our viewers can learn a little bit more about our panellists. Ash? Yeah, thanks, Callum. Uh, my name's Ash, Mad Carlton supporter. Love my footy in general. Um, like to get a bit involved in the draft and trade and just footy uh, games all throughout the weekend. Um, enjoy my fantasy footy as well. So hopefully uh, have some nice discussions on here. Absolutely, mate. And uh, we'll get into fantasy later on because I think I got got it up on you boys this week. So um, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Now, boys, uh very hot off the topic sort of stuff. Um, the bumps this week were extremely controversial. Buddy got one week, Pickett got two, and it's just been confirmed this evening that uh, Shane McAdam from the Crows has received three weeks from the AFL Tribunal. Um, just fascinating that we've got the bumps, the class action lawsuits with the concussions, It's such a hot topic at the moment. So, Nathan, what were your thoughts on the three bumps this week and which one was the worst of them all? Yeah, it's uh, it's quite interesting how all of it sort of aligned with the class action now, these bumps. For me, I actually personally think the Cosy Pickett one was probably the worst. Um, the fact that he's actually left the ground to make contact mm-hmm. with, with uh, Baz Smith is probably quite alarming to me. And, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts, but looking through the guidelines of the tribunal for 2023 um, and how they sort of determine severe and high impact, for me, seeing Shane, Adam, Shane McAdams get three weeks, I think that's fine. We all know how risky the bump is and the uh, the uh, penalty that can come with it. But for me, the fact that, um, you know, Cosy's left the ground, probably hit uh, Bailey Smith higher than Shane McAdam hit Jacob Ware, and he's only been given um, high impact, which out of two weeks is a little bit interesting. Um, and then the buddy one for me is quite interesting as well. The word careless is thrown around a lot. Um, mm-hmm. For me, all three of these are intentional. These guys know exactly what they're doing um, and the fact that they're sort of given the cop out of it being careless as opposed to um, intentional is a little bit interesting as well for me. Yeah, I'm of the same opinion as you, Nathan, that the Cozzy one is definitely the worst for me. He's left the ground. It's so intentional. The fact that Michael Christensen can't, you know, say that these are intentional is ridiculous. And I think, you know, his job position is under pressure already. Um, And I think this is just going to bring more scrutiny to the AFL. So I really hope the AFL really look at the Cozzy Pickett one as well as the Buddy Franklin and really up those suspensions. I'm of the opinion that Cozzy Pickett should get four weeks, in my opinion. Mm. Um, I just don't like the look of it. You know, he's a great player. He's very marketable for for the AFL, for Melbourne. 
but it's just a disgusting act to be honest um it might sound like i'm being really harsh but um with the whole protect the head mantra that the afl are going for the first chance to stamp it out for the rest of the year and all these players are going to get is a slap on the wrist and uh, i'm i'm as a port supporter you know i i don't like the crows but i actually feel really feel for Shaq in McAdam here um, I feel he's been left out to dry, a bit of a scapegoat in all of this. But, um, Jake, I'll throw it to you now. What What are your thoughts on this situation? Uh, well, I mean, we, we talk about the bumps being, like, you know, a high priority right now. It, it kind of leans back to last year and, you know, how Cripps won the Brownlow with the bump that he had. We're kind of riding off that hype from last year as well. Um, Franklin's was careless. I was watching it and I was kind of thinking, you know, you didn't need to do that. Um, but I mean, Pickett, as you said, he did leave the ground. He basically lunged at him and, um, yeah, I think, uh, with Smith getting up and, um, not having to go off the ground, I think that kind of helped him out in the end, but they both, uh, they don't really send a good message. Um, it's kind of targeting, it's basically targeting, um, and deliberately trying to hurt someone. So it's not what we're trying to do. Yeah. And Ash, your thoughts on the whole situation with the bumps this weekend and, did you feel that one was more um, harsh than the other in terms of the suspensions? Yeah, I think the McAdam one is fairly uh, graded or, or I think three weeks is fair enough for him. I also agree that Pickett two weeks it is the worst bump out of the three for me. Deserve more of a suspension. Buddy, whether you do one or two, I think it's sort of negligible in the end. But I think the AFL with this class action law, so they've lost it already in week one of the AFL. Uh, you cannot prove that you were serious about protecting the head and protecting the player and trying to defend yourself in this lawsuit and still carry out such minimal suspensions. Um, they lost their lawsuit in the first round of footy, and I think it's, um, yeah, a bit of a disgrace. And, and you can also say they're still, um, looks like they're grading impact and things like that based off the action, uh, based off the consequence and not the action, which is just completely sort of... Um, it's not a consistent way to grade these sorts of things and it's going to lead to a lot of troubles later down the line, both for player welfare and just for uh, measuring suspensions. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, everyone makes valid points um, on the panel tonight regarding these bumps and suspensions. Um, yeah, I feel, really feel for Shane McAdam tonight. I don't feel, well, it's more like, just with Cozzy getting two and him getting three for what, you know, I would say Cozzy looks like a more severe bump and a greater intent to hurt the opposition player. We're lucky that Bailey Smith got up and he was all right. Mm. But, you know, it's just stamp it out nice and early. Then, you know, it's going to set the standard for the rest of the season and, you know, I don't think players are scared at the moment. Players should be scared of getting suspended, mm. to be frank. Um, and I just want to lead this into something else that I haven't actually prepared you boys for tonight. But what are your thoughts on an AFL sin bin type rule? Now, we know that there was a game last year between Geelong and Richmond where Tom Stewart knocked out Dion Prestia, who is arguably Richmond's best player from last year or most impactful player. Stewart's able to continue on the game. Cochin got subbed out and replaced with the 23rd man. Richmond went 
on to lose that game by three points. So I'm of the opinion that if there's a really disgusting action, that they should play with 17. Um, but Ash, I'll throw it to you first this time. What are your thoughts on a potential AFL sin bin? Might be slightly controversial, but I don't really like that. I, I don't know exactly why. I feel, um, I reckon, yeah, you finish the game with the players sort of you brought on. I guess for a similar reason why I'm against having the sub rule in general, I feel like, and this is sort of going off the tangent, but there's something about starting the game and finishing the game with the same players sort of on your field and on the bench. Um, I like the concept. I like the idea. And it's probably going to do more for uh, stopping, preventing these incidents um, like we saw this week. But I'm not sure. It might be saying that sort of a bit of a trial and error or something which we don't exactly know until we sort of see it. But I think at this stage I'm probably against it. Yeah, I'm talking for like a real severe incident. For example, a gaff hit on Brayshaw those years ago, Tom Stewart on Prestia last year. Like imagine if Bailey Smith did properly get knocked out. Like you would be dirty as a Western Bulldogs supporter. Um, But, yeah, I feel like there should be consequences for a player who commits a disgusting act of violence on the field. Um, Nathan, I'll throw it to you next. What are your thoughts on a potential sin bin? Yeah, look, I don't hate the idea. I think a few kinks have to be ironed out first. But it almost seems unfair to a degree that, like, a player can be reported um, on the spot, say, like Shane McAdam, but, yeah, he can continue running around in the game, especially with the potential that, I know he didn't, but if the player that gets hit, like Dion Preciolaji, can't continue in the game, Richmond's automatically been, um, you know, inconvenienced by that, but Geelong can continue on as is. Obviously, Stuart got his punishment, I think he got four weeks in the end um, when he went to the tribunal. But I think in that moment, like, there's no reason why not, whether, you know, Stuart's done for the game and that's one of his four games suspended or, you know, it's like a 10 minutes in the bin sort of a situation. The kinks need to be ironed out, but I definitely think it's something that could potentially look into in the future. I, I think that's a good point, which I didn't sort of think about. If you've, um, if you've bumped a player or tackle him, whatever, and they aren't able to continue the game, I think if you're able to draw a line that it was clearly intentional, I think that's that's the uh, distinction that has to be made, that it was clearly intentional, not careless, then I'm potentially in favour of the sin bin. But then also, if you're also doing it because it was intentional and because the player on the other team got knocked out, then once again, you're leading into the side of uh, creating punishments based off um, the result and the consequence rather than the action and the intention. So I like the idea, and I I think what you said, um, Nathan, that's a good point but it can sort of create some murky waters and sort of that sense of punishing those acts regarding to concussion. I'm not going to lie. I think the playing with 17 on the field would be almost more of a punishment to the team than the actual suspension itself. Like, I guarantee you, Buddy does something along those lines before the end of the year. Um, is a one-week suspension going to, you know, give him second thoughts about doing that? Probably, probably not. But he's been doing it for 10 to 15 years now. So 
Um, Jake, uh, why don't we finish with your thoughts about the sin bin before we start talking about the round one matches? Yeah, well, I definitely think with most rules, I think you could you could try it in the preseason, uh, you know, next year or just in, you know, games where the scores don't necessarily matter. But I think if it is, if it does impact a team that bad, it doesn't also just impact them for that game. It also impacts them for the next week um, after. So I do agree. Um, you could it could potentially uh, be involved um, if the act is you know fairly um, heinous and uh, it deserves suspension. Yeah, it's an interesting topic, and we could probably spend the entire show going through how it could all work and um, yeah. how it could be implemented in into the competition, but we'll move on. There was nine games of footy over the weekend. We started off on Thursday night with a thrilling game between Richmond and Carlton. Ash's beloved Blues weren't able to hold on in the end. Tom Lynch kicked a goal in the last 40-odd seconds to um, make sure that that game was a draw. But um, what were your thoughts about the weekend's game of footy and uh, were there any particular surprises? I know myself, as a Port Adelaide fan, I was very happy with there what happened go. on the weekend. Um, I, I would nearly considered wearing my Port Guernsey tonight, <laughs> but knowing knowing Port Adelaide from last year, they'll get flogged against Collingwood this weekend. So um, I'm trying to keep a lid on it. I was excited, but I won't go over the top. Um I think one of the things that was really exciting to me over the weekend was the GWS and the Crows game. Um, quite hard conditions for the players um, at Giant Stadium uh, with the temperatures in the mid-30s. So it was a pretty intense game of football. Toby Green described it as one of the most well, as the most intense game of football that he's ever played in. He kicked mm. four goals to get the Giants over the line in his first game as full captain as full captain of that team and sole captain of that team. Um, and the other one that was a good story, I think, was St Kilda. Um, they were extremely undermanned, probably eight of their best 22 unavailable, um, and they got the chocolates against Ross Lyons' former team in the Fremantle Dockers. So uh, that's probably my thoughts yeah. Quick thoughts, I should say, on the round that was. But, Ash, I'll throw it to you first, mate. What were your thoughts on the, the weekend's footy? No, well, Thursday night absolutely broke me as a Blues fan. Third game in a row where we've choked the win with under a minute to go. So I don't know how much my young heart can take, but um, it's taken years of my life, these uh, tough games to watch. But um, And about the game, like you mentioned, Calm. Uh, I did have Port in my top eight predictions, so I'll t- take a bit of credit for that one. Um, but that was pretty good. I think Melbourne as well um, solidifying themselves as probably one of the premiership contenders. I think it was an absolute clinical performance against the Doggies, despite having a number of injured players out. May, uh, oh, Barney, Freeman, Barney, yeah, um, exactly. Um, so those four best 22 players come out and they had an opportunity to blood a few rookies. So I think great stuff by them. I was really impressed. Yeah. I think um, we're all thinking that Melbourne's going to be right up there at the end of the year. And um, you know, the doggies are a, a tough team to get a read on at the moment. You know, some people have got them in their top eight. Some people got them sliding. I know that I've got them sliding at the moment. Um, yeah. I just didn't see their forward line working on the weekend with, 
their um, higher number of tall players, no pun intended. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that was interesting. Um, but I think that when the dogs do play more teams around their sort of position on the ladder from last year, yeah. we're going to get a better indication of how good they are and whether they can challenge in September. But, Jake, I'll throw it to you next, mate. What did you like about this weekend's this weekend's footy matches and was there anything in particular that stood out to you? Yeah, well, I mean, talking on the dogs, I mean, they played the Saints this week, so I think we might get a good indicator of where those teams are heading. Um, well, I'll touch on the games that I went to. So uh, North Melbourne, West Coast, I mean, yeah, fourth quarter, every North Melbourne fan around me was shivering. They were they were thinking, surely we don't throw this one away. And West Coast, if it wasn't for that, you know, poor third quarter, um, they could have stolen the game. And I've been to two, Nick Larkey, you know, he kicked six um, on the weekend and he kicked seven against the Swans last year. So I, I can say that, that I went to two Nick Larkey um, big goal games. And then Essendon, I, I had a, that was a great game. I thought we were dead in the waters in the first quarter. I thought it was going to be another one of those, uh, you know, we've lost this game from the start. But I really liked uh, Wiedemann. I thought he was really good for us. And, um Davey and Tip Moody, I mean, the crowd lit up every time those boys touched the ball. Um, and I just thought it was good that we kind of – we were not at that bottom level. So I'm trying to see uh, where we can place on the ladder because I thought it was pretty exciting. Uh, Nathan, over in the West, how did you see this weekend's round of footy? Yeah, look, probably two teams to me to highlight and one that I had sliding, starting with Collingwood on Friday night. Uh, electric, you know, 80-plus at the G. Um, you know, what more do you want? Uh, obviously, it's a pretty terrible injury to Jeremy Howe. Um, you know, that will, that will hurt their back line. Um, he gives them a lot off that half-back and, you know, as, as a key defender at times as well. But, you know, we sort of mentioned a little bit earlier um, before the pod, you know, Jordan Ngoi, you know, when he turns it on, he is got to be one of the most dangerous players, almost like a dusty, like the ability he has to break open a game. And, you know, Nick Dacos, everyone was sort of, you know, umming and ahhing as to whether or not he could repeat what he did last year in Boyle. He looked really, really good on Friday night. Um, and then probably the other one for me, and a team that's been very, very quiet since it's, um, you know, belting in the grand final last year with Sydney. Um, first of all, like, a little bit rude by the AFL, I reckon, to send them on the road up to Gold Coast to play. Um, but, you know, they tackled that that challenge really, really well, went about their business, and they look great. They really, really did. They've got that young core of Warner, Gordon, uh, you know, Michelini, um, you know, Ollie Florin, Callum Mills. Their back line's rock solid. they got Buddy up forward with Logan, Logan McDonald hopefully breaking out this year as well. Um, they're the silent assassins this year, I think. Um, you know, they're almost unbeatable at home at the SCG and they uh, they didn't put a foot wrong in round one for us to say that they won't go close again this year, I don't reckon. It's been one round, boys, and I think I'm already ready to make a change in my top eight. And we spoke about this um, before we jumped on, but um, Collingwood's back in that eight for me. Um, I had Collingwood at nine. Um, I was quite worried to be honest um just with how many games that they won by close margins last year um but it's not luck um after what happened on friday it's just a really good system and the the way that they play is exciting it's exhilarating it's mm. just good footy to watch it kind of reminds me of port in 2013 first year under ken hinckley 
where we were coming back from five goals down in the last quarter to win some really close games of footy, the Angus Monfries uh, showdown special and the Chad Wingard showdown special in 2013 um, is the game that sort of comes to mind when I'm watching Collingwood over the last two years. So um, the one team that I am concerned about is Fremantle. Um, If they're a top four contender, there is no way that they go over to Marvel and lose that game to a very undermanned St Kilda. And I was just looking at some of the stats. Ryan had 37 touches. Cox had 30 touches and 20 marks. Um, Hayden Young was really solid off halfback and had 30 disposals. Sarong in the midfield had 29. And Jordan Clark had 28. So Fremantle had a lot of the ball, but it says a lot when you're getting a lot of the ball in your defensive half of the ground, which is really concerning. Um, I really like what I saw from the Saints. Um, I don't know whether they're going to be in the eight at the end of the year, but I think you know under Ross Lyon that they're going to bring that effort and that pressure. So, Nate, what were your thoughts about some of those teams that I just mentioned yeah, the big stat I had for Freo was 31% efficiency inside 50. Um, we spoke about it on our preview pod that we really questioned where their goals were going to come from. And um, that shined through on um, on Sunday afternoon. You know, Nat Five looked like everything that wasn't a forward line player. Tabernar we went missing like he normally does. And Josh Tracy isn't a big forward in, in the AFL either. So I think it's a really big concern. And as you said, obviously the back line had a lot of the ball, but they can have it all they want. Can't score. They're not going to. Yeah. Um, but I think the big thing with Freo is, and this is probably looking forward to this week as well, is is, is that we don't overreact when they beat North Melbourne on Saturday night. They'll beat them. It's a tough ground over here, but we don't overreact to that. Um, North aren't that good. They beat West Coast, but they're not that good of a team. So I think until Freo can actually show us this year that they can be a winning score against a really really good team, and especially on the road, they're probably going to be questionable. Um, I think the other team that I want to talk about is Hawthorne. That probably a little bit disappointing. Um, yeah. I, I was mildly optimistic about their potential chances this year under Sam Mitchell. Um, yeah, good young core, um, you know, not a lot of expectations. They can go out and play free and, you know, they faded really, really hard after that first quarter. Um, and it's probably concerning that, you know, Sicily had 30 touches, 15 marks as that rock down back. And then Luke Bruce at 32, who's probably the oldest player on their list, is kicking three goals one. Um, it's probably not, not the best start that Hawthorne were after. But look, you know, as, you know, you said, Jake, as well, Essendon were playing with a lot of emotion, you know, Alan Davey and, you know, um, Tippin, Tippin Woody back as well. You know, that's uh, that, that's something to get the crowd going. But Probably a little bit of a flag early for Hawthorne about you know potentially how how bad their season could go. But um, the other one for me, I, I want to touch on as well is is the debut of Bobby Hill. Um, that was pretty special on Friday night. And I forgot to mention about Collingwood before, but three goals. My note with him was him was can he be the Tyson Stengel for twenty twenty three for Collingwood? Obviously, Stengel came across to Geelong last year, and you know was that all Australian player kicked you know near on fifty goals. Hey, well, if Bobby Hill can be that player, Collingwood are going to be really, really dangerous, especially if, when the ball hits the ground that forward line as well. Just touching on with Collingwood, their small forwards are just so dangerous. Um, McCreary, Bobby Hill, as you mentioned, you know, does... Jamie Elliott. Yeah, Jamie yeah. Elliott too. Does Gidevan get back in the lineup after he yeah. finishes his two-game drug suspension? So 
Jake, what are your thoughts on Gidevin and does he immediately get back into that Collingwood team? Uh, I mean, he might have to prove it uh, through a couple of games in um, the seconds, but I mean, depending on how Bobby Hill, I mean, if he's if he keeps kicking three, um, at the end of the day, it's basically forward pressure. So if he's not kicking the goals, can he provide that forward pressure, um, you know, around, can he be at McStay's feet? Can he be at Cox's feet, Cameron's feet? Can he just be hovering around the ball and, um, do what Ginevan did last year, which, you know, kicked 40-odd goals, I think he did. So can he keep doing that? So I think the chances he could come be, could come back in the team, but what what we saw from Hill, I mean, you'd like you'd like what you saw from him. Absolutely you would. And Ash, what were some of the things that potentially concerned you from the weekend with some of the teams? Um, someone like Gold Coast, for example. Um, I sort of – I didn't have him in my top eight for this year, but I – I certainly have them contending around that mark. Um, I, I, I'm sort of starting to wonder, sort of similar to Carlton, when is it going to be their year? Um, sort of being talked up a bit. Uh, and I've got a lot of young players developing. Um, and I'm liking their list, but it's just, it's just not there at the moment for me. I'm sort of wondering if Stewie Dew is the man I'm taken into finals, let alone sort of to top four in a flag. Like I sometimes feel that I did overreact with swapping Collingwood and Gold Coast in my top eight prediction after one round. And I do understand that the Suns played against the grand finalists from last year, even though they got smashed in that grand final. They're still the grand finalists from last year. So, you know, I feel like it's a real just with Colling with the way Collingwood played on Friday night it was so exciting like I just had to make that change in my own mind but I'm still hopeful that the Gold Coast Suns can still achieve something meaningful um, this year and one of the things that I certainly enjoyed on the weekend as a Port Adelaide supporter was watching Jason Horn Francis uh, wearing the long the long socks um, just the way that he you know, similar to what you mentioned with Davey, Jake, um, every time he got the ball, the crowd lit, lit yeah. up like a Christmas tree. Um, and same with Junior Rioli as well when he got the ball. So, you know, are there any recruits over the weekend that you're like, oh, they're going to be a super big difference to that team this year? So, um, Nath, what were your thoughts on some of the recruits can be either draft or traded in? Yeah, I've probably got two. One, one that was traded. It's, it's got to be Tim Durando. He was fantastic. He is everything that that Richmond midfield needs right now. It's that guy that goes and gets the ball and can win it in a, in a contest. And he did that. He had, you know, thirty plus um, possessions, twelve of them contested, and he kicked two behinds as well. So he's also hitting the scoreboard. So I think that's sort of what Richmond has been lacking a little bit over the last couple of years is that elite midfielder to go win it out of the contest. And obviously, you know, Nank was dominant on Friday night. Oh, sorry, Thursday night. So, you know, there's going to be a lot, a lot of opportunities for him as well. Um, and then probably the other one, you know, drafted in, um, and we'll probably all talk about him, but, my God, Harry Cheezel. Um, you know, he would have been great to have watched. He was a great fantasy pickup for everyone that had him as well. But, you know, we talk about uh, guys coming into the league that are AFL ready, and he'd never played halfback in his life, and he's jumped in there yeah. round one at Marvel Stadium, and he looks like he's been playing there for, you know, 20-plus years. What some of these young kids are doing, him, you know, off the back of Dacos and a couple of exciting rookies this year, the 
the level of um, footy that these kids are playing coming into elite AFL uh, games now is unbelievable. Really is, and on the flip side of that as well, Ruben Ginby as well. He was a he was yep. very very solid. So I think you know watching the rookies this year and seeing just how big of an impact they can have on the on their teams and on games is going to be a really exciting one to watch. Yeah, and the other rookie that we probably talk about throughout the year um, is Cam McKenzie from the Hawks. Now the Hawks didn't have a great day on Sunday, but uh, McKenzie was something for those Hawks supporters to get excited about this year. Um, He just looks really calm with the ball. Um, I really like the look of him, and I'm sure a rising star nomination throughout the year will be um, something that is almost a certainty, providing he doesn't get injured. But, um, yeah, I like what you've said about Tim Taranto. He had 32 touches on the weekend. Great pickup for your fantasy teams as a a mid-forward as well, and, um, he's got, got an opportunity to be the man at Richmond, um, you know, kind of hidden away in that Giants midfield for, for many years. But he's someone that I um, really liked. And um, even though Gold Coast didn't have a great day, I was really impressed with Jared Witts as well. 25 possessions as a Ruckman around the ground um, just proved that he is um, firmly in the conversation as a top three Ruckman in the comp. So, um, yeah, are there any recruits um, that stood out to you, Jake? Uh, well, I might just sound off on the Port Adelaide stuff again. I mean, um, Juan Francis, I mean, that goal that he kicked uh, from 50, that was, you know, the power um, that he can bring uh, to your midfield. Um, you know, Boak, obviously, he's in the race to be fit for this week, but if you can get him going in that midfield, Boak can kind of take a rest like Dangerfield and Selwood did last year. He can kind of not take a back seat, but just, you know, save his legs for another couple of years. And Rioli, I mean, that forward line with the way Dixon was firing on the weekend, um, there's good, that specky he took and then the the candy to kick the goal. It's stuff to get excited about for Port Adelaide again and hopefully get back in the finals. I know that I just mentioned Jared Witts. I'm fully aware that Jared Witts is not a recruit at the moment. So yeah. I was just talking about things that I was very um, – excited by on the weekend and that will link into our next segment on fantasy but uh ash were there any particular recruits from the weekend that stood out to you for positive or negative reasons um yeah uh i reckon callum following on from what you said about cam mckenzie uh, he's a beautiful kick as well and seven score involvements which is absolutely elite let alone for someone who's just uh debuting Someone else is not exactly too young, would only play 10 or so games, Kay Chandler. Um, to have three scoring shots, and I think it was seven tackles as well, is a, a brilliant game as a small forward. So great job for someone who's inexperienced as him. And I hope, I mean, let's see if he keeps his spot with Fridge coming back. But he's definitely uh, one who, um, great sort of um, game from him. Yeah. Over the weekend, boys, we saw a few new ruck combinations. Um, we had. Gorn and Grundy teaming up, but we also had Darcy and Jackson teaming up for yeah. the first time for Fremantle. How did you see those um, combinations working in the future? And, um, Nate, maybe we'll get you to talk about the Fremantle um, ruck combination since you're from WA, and um, maybe I'll let the two Melbourne boys talk about um Gorn and Grundy, but we'll start off with Darcy and Jackson and how did you see them on the weekend? Yeah, look, uh, I, 
I think it was a reasonable start. Darcy was actually surprisingly dominant in the ruck against um, against Rowan Marshall, which even surprised me. I, I think where Fremantle might struggle a little bit with that is that Darcy is probably is a little bit one-dimensional. Um, mm. You know, he's not the most mobile ruckman going around, which sort of limits him in his capacity to be a forward. Um, obviously, Luke Jackson, he doesn't have that forward craft, but, you know, he can lead up, he can jump. He's very, very athletic, so he can be quite creative up there. Um, which sort of means that Jackson might be uh, the ruckman that starts forward and then when Darcy then goes to the bench, he then goes into the ruck and rucks out against, you know, whoever it might be that's um, in the ruck at that time, which is concerning because in the further on in the game, you know, he can fatigue, whereas Darcy at least is fresh uh, because you won't see him resting forward too much purely because of his skill set. So I think it's probably a double-edged sword for me. It's going to be a positive and a negative, I think, that, you know, Jackson will fatigue a fair bit, but then, you know, the hope is that at the back end of the game that the Ruckman um, that you're going up against, you know, Darcy will be fresher than. Uh, but I am intrigued to see how it plays out over the coming weeks, to be honest. Yeah, we've only had a very small sample size of the Darcy and Jackson combination. Um so it'll be interesting to see how it evolves over the weeks to come. But I'm really worried about Fremantle's forward line structure. Mm-hmm. I think they were really looking to recruit Jackson to eventually take on more ruck responsibilities, but he's more been recruited to be that mm-hmm. forward target when he's not he's not a genuine forward forward. He is a ruckman. And he would be a first-choice ruckman in most other sides in the competition. So, um, yeah, with Nat Fife not looking particularly fantastic as a forward on the weekend, um, it's concerning signs for Fremantle for me, but um, they've still got plenty of time to try and turn it around. But, Ash, we'll throw it to you. How did you see the Gorn and Grundy combination working on the weekend? I think it worked pretty well. And I think a lot of people, including myself, were fairly skeptical about how it would work. But uh, two players who have played sort of predominantly ruck time, it's not like they've sort of been great sort of up forward or down back. But I think we saw Gorn sort of um, really, especially Gorn, um, with, I think he had five clearances or something like that. So essentially working as like a, a fourth midfielder, we saw three goals between them. Uh, 11 scoring, uh, 11 inside 50s combined. So I think they're working really well in tandem and it's not just about hit outs with them, uh, but working around the ground. I think that's something which surprised me, to be honest. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And when I first heard the news last year that Brody Grundy was available for trade, Melbourne was probably the last club that came to mind. So um, yeah, I'm hoping that we can see a little bit more of it in weeks to come and they don't um, cramp each other's style too much. But, Jake, how did you see that um, new partnership starting to work? Oh, well, I, I quite like it. I, I think Gorn out of them both, I like Gorn going into the back line. Um, and he's also proven to be able to kick goals, um, as he did on the weekend. So I don't mind it. Um, and I think, you know, Gorn's uh, – Grundy, sorry, he's still kind of coming back to match fitness. Um, obviously not – playing a lot of footy towards, you know, since Anzac Day last year. So I think if those two can get something good going with them, I think there could be something um, good in the future. Um, I just have a quick question for Ash. Um, like we're talking about combinations. What are your thoughts on, you know, Mackay and Kerno up forward? Because I think sometimes there's a little bit of disconnection with the field kicking uh, between Mackay and Kerno. I don't know if you feel the same, but 
I, just watching it, I just feel it just looks a bit awkward sometimes, especially on Thursday. Yeah, I think um, I think first of all, Kerno is a, a beautiful field kicker. I think yeah. he uh, a common sort of theme with a lot of Carlton's players is just overuse of the ball, trying to be sort of uh, too clean um, instead of just you know, you know getting on the boot and finding a target lowering the eyes. The other thing is that's sort of pretty common with a lot of um, the Carlton, yeah. especially sort of getting too crowded in marking contests and and sort of almost cancelling each other out. We have sort of three tools going for the ball at the same time and then it sort of comes out the back and, and you've got crummers, you know, from the opposition and all of a sudden you're on transition because, of you know, you've got a turnover. So I think there is there is a bit of disconnect with all the Carlton uh, tools yeah. in that um, area. I think there's also a bit of disconnect with um, sort of, yeah, well, at times they're overusing the ball, other times they're sort of being too simple and just especially through kickouts, just going down from the pocket to the wing over and over again. Um, and just leads to significantly fewer inside 50s and shots on goals for them. I think um, then in terms of the, the forward structure for Carlton, you see sort of Kerno and Mackay, who are sort of obviously A-graders, then you're sort of lacking a real third tall. You've got Pidnet, who's sort of, um, I still consider our best ruckman, but he's been struggling to sort of keep fit ever since going through a second knee surgery in about six months. Hopefully he comes back this week, but who really knows? I, I think De Koning is a real talent, but is he a ruck? Is he a forward? No one really knows because he hasn't been able to solidify a position anywhere. Jack Silvani's been taking a lot of ruck minutes, but w- although I rate him highly as a player, as a, a ruckman, he's um, severely undersized and just hasn't developed his ruck craft at all. Um, and, and then on top of that, you've got a, a bunch of smalls. Jack Martin, who goes missing for three quarters of a game. Zach Fisher goes missing for three quarters of a game. So I think Carlton do have a few of the problems. So, yeah, sorry for going on it. Bit of a tangent there. Don't worry, mate. I talk about Port Adelaide too much on this podcast. <laughs> so apologies to uh, any Adelaide Crow supporters and Nathan especially um, for, for all I talk about Port Adelaide. But, um, boys, let's move into AFL Fantasy. So um, we pretty well all play AFL Fantasy and round one can be a struggling time for coaches I was able to get 2135 as my score um, on the weekend which I'm actually very happy about I, I can't believe it normally round one is just it's just not good for for most coaches but um, somehow managed to get a rank inside the top 1600 so I'll take that and I'll probably be out to 15,000 by the end <laughs> of round two but um, Sheasel was obviously a great scorer. I had Taranto as well. Wits, as I previously mentioned, he was the top score, pretty well the top scorer in that game with 25 touches and many, many hitouts. Um, and I had um, Cog, Steve Canelio. He had 32 Ooh. touches. He carried GWS on his back along with Toby Green and Tom Green. Too many greens there for my liking. Um, but yeah, those were the big ones that stood out and I suppose the rookies as well. So I had Gimby, which I was really happy about. He ended up scoring a 92, which is really good. Cam McKenzie, as we mentioned, he had 75, which is pretty serviceable from a rookie. Ashcroft was a bit quiet on debut, but I'm expecting him to bounce back this week. Uh, Finn, Finn Callahan, he was a lot of in a lot of teams um, with a few extra midfield minutes available. 
due to Taranto and Hopper departing the club. He finished with 83 and Warple finished with 96 as well. Um, and I was very happy that I put the C on Clay and Oliver. He did a great job and Andy Brayshaw finished up with 114. So um, this week will probably end up being about fixing a few rookies for my liking. But, um, yeah, are there any particular fantasy thoughts from you boys and how did your teams go? Uh, Nathan? Uh, yeah, nightmare start. Uh, too much research over the summer, I think. I was 1956. <laughs> I, I went with the mantra of the, uh, as the traders spoke about, the four pillars of strength with Doherty, Laird, Rowan Marshall and uh, and Josh Dunkley, and that sort of backfired in my face. I was up and about after uh, Doherty got a 110 on the Friday night, but it was all downhill after that. Dunkley couldn't find the ball. Rowan Marshall got dominated. I don't think Rory Laird was on the ground, unfortunately, so I'm glad I spent my million dollars on him. But, yeah, I also fell into the Liam Jones trap, um, unfortunate with injury, but, you know, he had, you know, probably a fair chunk of game time for seven points when he did get injured. So, I look, I've honestly got no idea. I was quite fortunate to hit all the rookies that you needed to hit, so I'm a bit, a bit stuck in regards to what I do. Um, but look, you know, for the time of effort, time and effort I put in over summer, the output definitely wasn't seen in round one, unfortunately. So yeah. I might have to go the uh, the Callum approach and be a bit more hands off and see how my trades go this <laughs> week. Oh, it's sometimes it's all just a bit of luck and picking players at the right time. But um, yeah, I feel like there's some good value in the rookies, and we spoke about Kay Chandler early on. Um, in the show, I don't have him in my team, but I'll be trying to do whatever I can to to get him on my bench this week. And he'll probably end up pumping out a 45 after I do that. So hopefully for Cade and my team, then he does all right this week because we want to get that cash generation. Ash, how did you go, mate? Unfortunately, all too similar to Nathan. I captain Laird, copped his double 57. Jones on field, copped his seven. The thing about Jones, I, I, I sort of went into it. I originally didn't have him in my side and I had Elliot Yo instead. Obviously, he gets injured a couple of days out from round one and I thought, you know what, I'm going to downgrade him to Jones, save the extra two, 300K for trades in my sort of first round, see how that goes. And I can't believe I fell for the Jones trap. He was, everyone got sucked into his preseason score. He got 80-something, but he was playing north. <laughs> and that's... uh. Uh, that, that that wasn't all that I got sucked into. Fell fell for the um the Liam Baker preseason trap as well. Um, you see guys like Jaden Short training all preseason with the midfield first round back. Of course, Damien Hardwick plays in the back line, and he absolutely killed Liam Baker's role. So, um, copped a fifty five, I think it was from him. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to be using my trades this week, probably to upgrade Baker. Um, definitely Jones, maybe McGrath as well was one who I wasn't too keen on. So, yeah, definitely fixing up that back line this week. Yeah, there's a couple of mid-prices that are looking all right. Um, I know Jaden Hunt didn't score particularly well, but I put him in my team. I thought he was good value at 379000 Um, probably a bit more of an opportunity at West Coast due to them being a developing team this year. Um, yeah, I was... Nervous about Warple due to his couple of really quiet years, but I think with Hawthorne's depleted team, um, he's going to get some really good opportunity to score in that midfield. Now, Jake doesn't play fantasy, 
Um, so he's feeling a little bit left out at the moment. But, Jake, what are your thoughts on this weekend's uh, games? We've got Carlton and Geelong to kick off the round on Thursday night. Well, we'll just say I'm lucky I'm on Supercoach. I uh, took out Nat Fife and brought in Horn Francis, so I'm feeling, feeling pretty happy with myself uh, with that selection. Um, well, Blues-Cats um, on Thursday, I am... I'm going to this game, and I, I hope it is a, a cracking game. Uh, hopefully, Carlton can up their scoring, and um, hopefully, Geelong can hold steady. It'll be interesting to see the matchups, especially with you know Tom Stewart. Um, not sure if Colin Jasney is ready to go, but I think uh, midfield battle uh, will be interesting as well. So I'm, I'm ready to see how this game can go. Yeah, I think the game that stands out to me the most would be. Brisbane and Melbourne at the Gabba. Uh, obviously, there was a little bit of bad blood between the two teams last year with the Zorko and Petty um, stuff that happened. So it might be a feisty contest, and I'm really just hoping it's a good contested game of footy. Um, not sure what the conditions are going to be like at the Gabba, whether it's going to be slippery, but um, I'm really hoping that this is going to be a good game of football. And I know playing at the Gabba is not an easy task, particularly at this time of year where it's still probably a little bit humid but um, and the ball might be a little bit slippery. But that's the game that probably sticks out to me. Um, and with Port Adelaide's form on the weekend, I feel like that game between Collingwood and Port Adelaide at the G, that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Um, you know, there's the injury to Jeremy Howe, which is a big loss for, for Collingwood and who's going to come in to replace his intercepting ability. Um, and for Port Adelaide, whether Travis Boak or Jeremy Finlayson is going to come back into the lineup. So those are probably the two games that stand out for me, aside from the, the Carlton and Geelong ones, because I think that's going to be a really good contest. Um, and I suppose the other one that's got my interest now with the weekend would be the Dogs and St Kilda. Um, you know, that could be a very interesting contest and towards the end of the year, we could be looking back on this game with, you know, potentially one of these sides making the eight and one of these sides potentially missing the eight or both of them missing the eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are probably the ones that I've got my eye on the most. But, Ash, I'll throw it to you, mate. What are, what games are you pretty keen to watch this weekend? I think the first three games of the weekend are probably the, 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 the top three. Um Blues and Cats, Lions and Dees and uh, Pies and Port. I think everything else is a bit of a snooze fest, but I think definitely uh, tune in Thursday night, Friday night and Saturday after because there should be some cracking matchups. And Nate, your thoughts about this weekend's uh, round of footy? Yeah, look, I've actually probably got a bit of a big take here. I, I reckon both Geelong and Brisbane are going to be 0-2 after the first two rounds, um, in my opinion. And I think... It, it's not alarm bells for Geelong. They've got a soft schedule coming up from round three onward. But I think for Brisbane, you know, Port showing on uh, Saturday against Port, a really tough game, which I think they'll drop on Friday night, which then leads into a trip down to Marvel against the Doggies and then a home game against Collingwood. I'm not saying they're going to be 0-4, but, you know, it's a really, really big clash. You get some confidence and a, win, and a win on the board for them, I think, against Melbourne as well. And I think the other one for me, or probably the two other ones rather, one uh, being a bit biased, but the Crows, uh, but also for Richmond, it's a really big chance for them to bounce back. Probably lost a game they shouldn't have. Um, they coughed it up in the fourth quarter against Carlton. 
Um, and likewise with the Crows, they had a stranglehold on that and they uh, let that one slip. So it's a really important bounce back of both teams there. And we mentioned it earlier, uh, Essendon Gold Coast has probably got zero ramifications on finals. Um, but I'm intrigued to see what the response is from Gold Coast after a poor showing in round one. And also if Essendon can replicate it. And uh, I heard a stat on uh, first crack last night, actually, and uh, Jake, it might get you excited, but I think it's in the last 25 or so years, uh, only one team that was on top of the ladder after round one of Mr. Finals. So I'd hate to be the be Essendon right now, potentially having to uh, keep that streak going. But, yeah, look, as uh, Ash sort of alluded to, the first three games of blockbusters and everything gets a little bit, you know, slim pickings after that or with some sort of a ramification on, you know, uh, rebounding and getting some momentum and confidence leading, you know, as the season goes on as well. All right, yeah. I'm kind of with you, Nathan, on the uh, Brisbane and Geelong. And with Geelong, as you said, I I wouldn't be nervous if they were zipping too. Um, Brisbane potentially, but I feel like they'll still win enough games at the Gabba to obviously qualify for the eight. but. You know, if they're not inside that top four by the end of the season, I don't think that they're anything to be um, alarmed about. You know, you've got to be in the top four to, to win it um, and get that double chance. So, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, for Brisbane's sake and my tipping sake, because I did tip Brisbane for the flag, I'm going to look really stupid if they end up, uh, you know, potentially zero and four after four games. But, uh we're going to wrap it up there. So thanks very much, uh, Nathan, Jake and Ash for, for tuning in to the Mojo Sports AFL show. Make sure that you follow our Instagram page as well and make sure that you listen to more of the Mojo Sports content on our podcast platform. So take care for now and we will see you next week. Take care, everyone. Cheers.